This podcast is brought to you by the Reform Witness Committee of Hope Protestant Reform Church in Walker, Michigan. It is our goal to spread our distinct Protestant Reform views based on the Word of God and the Reform Confessions. We hope that this message is edifying to you. The following is a sermon preached on a Heidelberg Catechism Lord's Day. For more sermons, see our sermon audio page. We read this evening from Philippians chapter 2. We continue our series in the book of Philippians. Our text this evening is chapter 2, verses 12 and 13. 12 and 13. Our scripture reading is the first 18 verses. Hear the word of God. If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of man. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore, God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God which worketh in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Do all things without murmurings and disputings, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perver perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. Yea, and if I be offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I joy and rejoice with you all. For the same cause also do ye joy and rejoice with me. The text this evening is verses 12 and 13. Let's reread that text. Wherefore, my beloved, 
as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Beloved congregation, I exhort you this evening to study, to study God's word. During doctrinal controversy, study God's word. Yes, study church decisions, study acts of synod, study what men have written in the past, men like Huxama and Hanko, study writings of men, study the confessions and creeds, but above all, study God's word. God directs our attention this evening to a piece of his word that you and I must especially study. And our text is extremely pertinent to the ongoing debates in our churches. Memorize Philippians 2, 12 and 13. Have it in your mind at all times. Make sure you understand these words of our text. Your listening to my exposition of this text tonight should not be the only time that you meditate on this word of God. Study it further. Do not say after listening to God's word tonight, well, I think our pastor understands the truth here, but let him be our representative. Let him be our figurehead in understanding the truth for us. No, you study the truth of God's word. This truth tonight also. Or to use the language of our text in exhorting you to study, I say, you work out your own salvation in the study of this text and God's word. The subject of our text, which is at the heart of the controversies in our churches, is the subject or topic of sanctification. There are other related ideas, other related doctrines, but sanctification is a major subject. And here's a question which has come up again and again, and which is asked about sanctification again and again. Is the process of sanctification God's work or man's work? And regarding sanctification, God says, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. That's God's answer to that question. In the process of sanctification, who works? God or man? God says, work out your own salvation 
with fear and trembling, for it is God which worketh in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Notice, beloved, that this text tonight that we consider includes both verses 12 and 13. 12 and 13. 13 and 12. I make that emphatic. 12 and 13 both explain together the truth of sanctification. Tonight we do not emphasize one and de-emphasize the other. We do not focus on one and leave the other vague. The whole truth of sanctification is our focus and must be our focus. And therefore, both verses 12 and 13 are in our focus. Verses 12 and 13 are not enemies of each other. You may not say, you work out your own salvation is an enemy of God works it in you both to will and to do. They're not in contradiction to each other. They're in perfect harmony. This is the whole truth of sanctification, both verses 12 and 13, and we may not separate it and make them contrary to each other. In the past few years, I've read and I've heard one verse of our text quoted without the other, and that's not necessarily wrong of itself. But I've heard one text quoted to oppose the other. And that may never be. That's not allowed. To quote one as though the other one does not exist. Is to speak a half truth. And you know well that a half truth. Is a lie. On the one hand, the half-truth that says sanctification is only God works in you both to will and to do of His good pleasure. Period. Amen. To say that is a half-truth which is antinomianism. And to say sanctification is you must work out your own salvation. Period. That's it. Is a half-truth. And it is Arminianism. Both teach sanctification, the whole truth. To make the point even clearer, children, you could look at verses 12 and 13 and you could say they're one verse. The editors of the translations put 12 and 13 in front of our verses but the 12 and 13 are not inspired. It's one verse. You can even take the period at the end of verse 12 away and say it's one sentence. It teaches sanctification. To deny either aspect of sanctification in verses 12 and 13 is to deny the perfect work of Jesus Christ in us. Let's understand the perfect work of Jesus Christ in his saving work of sanctification. Consider with me this text under the theme sanctification, the outworking 
of God's work in you. First, the source of sanctification. Second, the outworking of sanctification. And finally, the humility of sanctification. First this evening, let's make sure that we are clear that this text is about sanctification. When we read the exhortation of verse 12, work out your own salvation, that word salvation must be understood as sanctification. When the Holy Spirit inspired the Apostle Paul to write these words of this text to the Philippian church, he was not inspiring Paul to contradict the other truths of God's word regarding our salvation in other parts of the epistle of Philippians or in the other epistles that he wrote. He was not writing in this text that somehow, in some sense, salvation is by or because by the instrument of our works. That is not what he is teaching. The word salvation in Scripture, the word salvation in Scripture can be sometimes interpreted more broadly speaking to refer to all of salvation, every aspect of it. And the word salvation sometimes in Scripture can be limited to one aspect of salvation. In this text, Paul is not referring broadly to all aspects of salvation. It cannot be. He is referring narrowly to one aspect of salvation. Let's be convinced that he can't be referring to all the other aspects of salvation. For one, election. Paul cannot be meaning, work out your own election with fear and trembling. For that is something that happened in eternity past, unconditionally, before we ever existed. God elects. God alone. He doesn't involve us in that working out of election. Secondly, Paul cannot refer to atonement. Atonement, pre-confession class, you've been studying that. Atonement is the covering over of our sin. And satisfying God's justice. That happened at the cross. It happened 2,000 years ago. Christ alone worked out that atonement. When he said it is finished, it is done. Paul cannot be referring, thirdly, to justification. Justification, we know, is God's declaration to our hearts, to our consciousness that we are righteous. And that is by faith alone without our working. Paul says that explicitly in Romans 4 verse 5, But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. So Paul cannot here in this text be referring to justification, which is without works, but by faith alone. Paul is not calling, calling us to work out even the experience of our justification. That too is by faith alone without working. Paul is also not referring to regeneration. We're dead in trespasses and sins. We don't work out regeneration in the sense of the first implanting of the Spirit in our hearts. 
He has to quicken us, and that's His work without us. And finally, negatively, Paul is not referring to our glorification. That's obvious. He takes our souls immediately at death to heaven. And He raises our bodies in the end. We don't work that out. In fact, the text says now, which means not in the future, but in the present. Salvation here can refer only to sanctification. The saving work of Jesus Christ by His Holy Spirit to work a life of holiness in us and out of us. This sanctification is what is in the context. He's calling us, remember, to have the mind of Jesus Christ, the mind which is humble, to show forth that humility which leads to unity. That's the previous context, the preceding context. We've heard sermons on that already. After our text, it is obvious from that to that he is talking about sanctification. Do all things without murmurings and disputings. That he may be blameless and harmless. The sons of God without rebuke. He's talking about living a holy life. In the midst of a perverse world. This sanctification. The holy living of the child of God. Is the word salvation in this text. That's what Paul refers to. But now before we continue explaining the rest of verse 12, we must go to verse 13. Having understood that Paul is talking about sanctification, we read verse 13, For it is God which worketh in you, both to will and to do of His good pleasure. Therefore, along... With all the other aspects of salvation we listed before this, sanctification also may be said, and should be said, must be said, to be God's work alone. That's true. That's the teaching of verse 13. Every part of salvation, every aspect of salvation, including sanctification, is God's work in Jesus Christ alone. As Jonah confessed, some of you men are, under, are, are, are studying in Jonah 2 verse 9, salvation is of the Lord, sanctification included. He's the source of it. How are we able to live a holy life? Because of God, who works in us both to will and to do of His good pleasure, or that which is pleasing to Him. The word worketh, in verse 13, is the Greek word energeo, which is where we get our English word energy. God is the energy or the power by which we will and do of His good pleasure. He works in us 100% of the energy or the power to will and to do of His good pleasure. He empowers us unto a life of sanctification. The word 
that belongs with the word sanctification is the word infuse. Don't forget that word, children. Infuse. Infuse. That is a reformed word. And you might hear that word infuse and think immediately, that doesn't sound reformed because you're used to hearing the word impute. And when you hear the word impute, you hear the, the words not infuse. Because many sermons have been preached to you regarding our justification. In justification, which comes before sanctification, God legally declares us righteous without our works. And that's by imputing to you the righteousness of Jesus. That is, without any of your godliness, even without the Spirit working in you, God declares you righteous. As the judge declares a criminal righteous. That's impute. But now today we're not talking about justification. We're talking about sanctification. Regarding sanctification, the word infuse is proper. After declaring us righteous, God by His Spirit, infuses into us a holy life. Children, you can understand this. You can understand the word infuse. I've used the illustration before of being connected as a branch to a tree. I use a different one today. The word infuse brings this to mind, children. Think of someone in the hospital. Perhaps you have visited or have thought of someone in the hospital recently. Think of him lying there on a bed or her lying there on the bed. And beside that hospital bed, often there is hanging what is called an IV. A bag of fluid, perhaps of some saline solution, some medicine, and even sometimes blood. And from that bag, there is a tube connected to that bag, which comes downward and is joined, is joined to a person, to a vein in the arm, and sometimes into an artery. That is what is called a transfusion or an infusion. From that bag, the source it flows into that person something necessary so that they, that person, might continue living, might have health and strength to move forward in healing and progress and life. That's the picture of infusion. But here's the reality now. Here's the reality. God does not perform infusion through the bloodstream like the infusion at the hospital. But this is sanctification. Though we cannot see it, He is the source like that bag. And we are connected to Him invisibly. Not by bloodstream, 
but he's connected to our souls, our hearts, and he infuses, he pumps, as it were, into our very hearts, into our very souls, his spiritual gifts, his own holy life. He works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. That is sanctification. And he does not ever disconnect. If he were to disconnect, you're dead. Spiritually. Nothing can happen of any spiritual value. Sanctification is that work of God by which he connects himself to us and constantly, continuously through our life, because it's so necessary, pumps into us the energy by which we live a holy life, both to will and to do. Galatians 2 verse 20. I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That verse mentions faith, which gives us another specific. Think of that needle, that needle which binds, pricks us, from that bag, there flows into us physical energy and life. Now, spiritually, faith is comparable to that needle. A bond by which we are connected to Jesus. And it's through faith alone, in Jesus alone, that we receive the power of a holy life. To do, our text says, that's extremely important. To do all the actions, all the good works. By Jesus alone, through faith alone. To do. And not just the power to do, but perhaps more important, both the will and the doing. The will, philosophers call the volition. It is the choosing aspect of our hearts. The deciding, the wanting. This is God's work in us. He produces the wanting to do good works also. To make it concrete, we frequently talked about the motivation of good works being gratitude. We must be motivated to do good works out of gratitude for Jesus Christ. Every good work must have that motivation. It's only a good work if it's from that motivation. How do you have that motivation? You're thankful to want to do good works out of thanks. Our text says, God works that will of thanks. To want to out of thanks, do any good work. 
The Armenian error is destroyed by this text. The Armenian error says, yes, God works in us the power, but not the willingness to believe or to do anything good. And God says, against that Armenian error, God works in us both the willing and the doing. The Armenian error is cooperation, though it's not always spoken in those terms. God provides the ability. And now with our free wills, we must cooperate with God. And this text says, no. God gives the willing and the doing. And don't say the Armenian error cannot creep into our midst. This text, I remind you, is about sanctification. And we can sometimes speak of or think of living a holy life as though we somehow contribute to sanctification. Pride is practical Arminianism. And it creeps into the most reformed men. So I call you tonight, believe in Jesus alone for your sanctification also. And in believing and relying on Jesus. What a comfort, is that not? When you feel, and I feel, no power left to fight against our sins. At the end of the day, perhaps, when the old man seems so strong because we see all our failures of the day or the week, or battle against an addiction seems impossible. We can't find strength in ourselves to fight sin anymore. What a comfort. A comfort we need. That we may trust and we must trust in God and in Jesus Christ alone. Not only for forgiveness, and it is there. But the power of a sanctified life to seek to live it tomorrow. But having explained that, I may not say amen. To end the sermon is to speak a half-truth. It is to teach antinomianism. Sanctification is God's work to work in you both to will and to do. That's not all to say about it. Because sanctification involves our working. Sanctification does not leave God's people imagining this falsehood that we sit back passive without participation in our sanctification. That's wicked. That's false doctrine. The word for at the beginning of verse 13 connects the text together so that 12 and 13 may not be pulled apart. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. You work out your own salvation. That's the imperative. For 
The source of sanctification is God who works in you, both to will and to do. The point of the text is exactly because, exactly because God is the one who works in you, both to will and to do, you will work out your salvation. Exactly because of that, the antinomian error teaches, well, because God works in me both to will and to do, I don't have to work. It's against the very logic of this text. Exactly because God works in us both to will and to do, we should work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Or to use the word that I've used before in this, in, in this church, it is inevitable the effectual, irresistible result of Jesus Christ's work in joining himself to us like an IV joined to a patient is that we will live and not die. That we will live by faith. That he will infuse into us a holy life so that we will will, we will choose and we will do of his good pleasure. He will cause us to and we will be active in it. The words work out in verse 12 is one word in the Greek, and it's different from the word, word work in verse 13. The word in verse 13, I said, is where we get the word energize. God works, that is, he empowers us into a sanctified life, both to will and to do. But now in verse 12, we see the word work out. It means to expend that energy. As God works it in you, you will expend that power. As He gives that energy to you, you will work it out. We aren't the author of salvation. But we are active in it. We don't cooperate with God for sanctification. But we are a participant in sanctification. And though we don't fully understand it, yet this is the truth. Canons Head 3 and 4, Article 13 says this, the manner of this operation cannot be fully comprehended for believers in this life, notwithstanding which they rest satisfied knowing and experiencing, note that word, this is our experience, that by this grace of God they are enabled to believe, you believe, with a heart and to love their Savior. I'm active. Five points briefly. The manner of sanctification is first, I am active. He makes me active. I do good works. I unashamedly say that. We expend energy. We strive. You work it out this life of sanctification you keep the Sabbath day 
You resist Satan. You flee temptation. Young man, you may not say, I can't, period. You must say, I can't of myself. But I can, Paul says, Philippians 4.13, a couple of chapters later, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Sanctification is not substitutionary. Yes, yes, satisfaction is substitutionary. Jesus Christ lived a perfect life already in my place. Yes, that's true. But now is sanctification. And he does not live a holy life for you now. He works it in you so that you live a holy life. Secondly, about the manner of sanctification in this text, it's willingly. Willingly. That's exceedingly important, beloved. You are not stalks and blocks. You are not robots. You are not a shell. You are not an appliance plugged in to a power source without a will. You are human beings with a will which he bends. The canons put it, he sweetly and powerfully bends our will so that we don't only do good works and live a holy life automatically like puppets or appliances or robots. We do good works willingly. He works in us both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Yes, you decide to do good works. You choose to. 100% of his power, but you do. Antinomianism is of various kinds. But one idea of antinomianism is that sanctification is something that we let go and let God do for us. It is the teaching of passivity. It is said, we just need to believe more in God, believe more in Jesus. And that sounds pious, it does. Because we do need to believe more in Jesus, and only through faith in Jesus are we sanctified. But the implication often is, don't be too concerned with trying. Don't talk about effort. Effort. Yes, he works in you effort. That's the willingness. The will and to do of his good pleasure. God's people will put forth effort to work out their salvation. That's the manner. Third, in our sanctification, obedience. 
It will be obedience. Obedience to God's commandments. Never perfectly. Always faltering. But working out this sanctified life will include obedience. In the way of obedience, you work out your salvation. That obedience is obedience to His commandments. And it's not, people of God, it is not whatever feels right. And neither is it some extravagant work that people take notice of. You don't even take notice of it often. Because the right hand knoweth not what the left hand does. But it's a quiet obedience. Fourth, often without accountability. This working out of sanctification is even when no one is looking. Paul says in verse 12, Wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, not just in my presence, but now much more in my absence. You listening, young people? Paul says, not only when the pastor is looking over your shoulder while you are on the device, but much more when he is not, you're working out that salvation. Not only when the elders are visiting you in family visitation, yes, then, then you put on your best behavior and you work out living a holy life, but much more when they're not around in the privacy of your home. Out of fear of man, we have the opposite inclination. But here is sanctification. Much more. More and more. I need less accountability. Oh yes, I have accountability. I know my weakness and I take all the helps I can get. But even when I have no accountability, I seek to live before the face of God because I'm always in His presence in holiness. Fifth, manner of sanctification, not only active, not only willingly, not only with obedience and with without accountability. But fifth, it's progressive. More and more. Much more, Paul says. You, you, have, you have obeyed, now continue not only, continue not only, but progress in a lifelong Sanctification. 
When the command comes, work out your own salvation, it comes, it comes to the believer, to the true believer. And the true reformed believer doesn't say, doesn't respond to the word of God. No, I can't. The true believer, the true reformed believer does not respond when he hears, work out your own salvation. To command me to do that is conditional. It's heresy. No. Or rather, he says, of myself, I can't. But because the Lord works in me both to will and to do, I can. And I will. And that's who Paul is addressing in this text. True believers. Those whom he calls my beloved. Those who have been joined to Christ by faith. Those who are already out of faith. Obeying, he says. But now continue, he says. Much more. And the believer under the Lordship of Jesus Christ, responds, Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Paul's not speaking to the unconverted in this text. He's not preaching in the mission field. He's not preaching to the unchurched. If you were preaching to the unchurched, if you were preaching to the unbeliever, the command would be different. The command wouldn't be work out your own salvation. The command would be believe. And so I say to you, if you have come to church this evening believing a false Christ, believing either an Arminian kind of Christ, which says, by your own power you must You must save yourself in some sense. Or if you've come to church believing a false Christ of the antinomian kind, which says since salvation is all of God, there's no need. It's of no importance for you to put forth effort in working out that sanctified life. Then I say to you, either an Armenian kind of unbeliever or an antinomian kind of unbeliever, the command to you is not work out your own salvation. It is first, you need to believe. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, the true Christ who reveals himself in his word tonight. Believe in him who provides justification, yes, and is so great a savior that he gives you a sanctified life which you will work out. That is the glorious Savior. And as you work that out, you will especially show forth humility. Remember, that's what Philippians 2 is all about, isn't it? The humility of Jesus Christ. The humility in the mind of Christ that he works in us. Let this mind 
be in you. And when Paul says at the end of verse 12, with fear and trembling, that's what he's referring to. Let this working out of a sanctified life be with humility, with fear and trembling before the face of your holy God. Negatively, that fear and trembling does not mean frightened or scared. Fear and trembling does not mean that the believer will try to live a holy life always fearing damnation and fearing hell and fearing that God might lash out in anger Fearing that he or she is reprobate. No. Don't live in that way. Live with faith. By faith. Faith believes that though I am a great sinner, and though I fail again and again in working out that sanctification, I fail. And I have God's forgiveness in Jesus Christ and in Jesus Christ alone. And he has already delivered me from hell. I do not have to fear. Faith trusts in Christ alone. But positively, when we read with fear and trembling, it means humility. As I seek to work out that salvation with fear and trembling. And as you do, we realize how inadequate we are. Every good work, every wanting to do good work is from God. That ought to humble us. And all our outworking of this sanctified life not only is from God, but the only thing I contribute and add as I will and do of His good pleasure, the only thing I contribute is the tainting of each of those works that he works in me to will and to do with sin. I taint every one of them with fear and trembling, that is, with humility. We better proceed with this sanctified life. And therefore, with fear and trembling, we don't see even the sanctified life as a means to merit anything with God. Nothing contributes. In my sanctified life, nothing can contribute to my salvation, my justification, because it's tainted with sin. And yet I know God is still pleased 
for he works in me both to will and to do of his good pleasure. That means he's pleased with this sanctified life. Pleased because the works which I taint with my sin are covered by Jesus Christ. We always come back to him, don't we? Focus on him. Never take your eyes off him. For he is our justification. And he is our sanctification. May God's people never forget the whole truth of Christ's perfect work of sanctification. The outworking of his work in us. Amen. Let's pray. Father, all saving power and lasting strength belongs to thee alone. Having chosen us, atoned for us, regenerated us, justified us, and given us faith and promised us our glorification and preservation unto that glorification. Work in us, O oh God, the outworking of a thankful, holy life, and that more and more. Use thy word and spirit by faith to effectually and irresistibly bring forth the will and to do of thy good pleasure. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this message. It is our hope that it was edifying to you. Please subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to them to be notified as future messages are published. We welcome you to join us on Sundays for worship at 9.30 a.m. and 5 o'clock p.m. You can find more information about us at our website, hopeprchurch.org. Also, you can follow us on our Hope Protestant Reformed Church Facebook page. And you can email the Reform Witness Committee with any questions or feedback at hope rwc at gmail.com. Thank you.